Exceeding Expectations, episode 33. Welcome to the podcast that tries to give you ideas on how you can give your customers better experiences. This week, I speak with Ian Moyes, who has developed some amazing systems that really improve the customer experience via telephone. Most companies have some sort of telephone service. How many times have you been in a situation where you try to contact a company and you've endlessly been passed from one person to another and they never give each other information about what it is that you're waiting for and it ends up being quite frustrating? Well, Ian's going to tell you about a system that can completely do away with all of those frustrations that you've encountered contacting uh, previous companies. Um, exceeding expectations, we really try to help you with ideas of how you can give customers better experiences. We have a Facebook group. If you'd like to just search for Exceeding Expectations on Facebook, go in there, start some conversations, ask questions. And it would be great also if you could leave a review for us on iTunes. But the more reviews we get, the more people get to hear about the podcast. And then hopefully that can result in more people realizing the importance of delivering great customer service to the people they work with. Exceeding expectations, my guest this week is Ian Moyes. How are you doing, Ian? Good, good. Hey, Tony. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. And you're down in sunny Croydon. I am. I am in, in, in the uh, top two floors of a big 50 pence tower block that if any, anyone watches Black Mirror, it was the Bandersnatch episode was filmed in our building. So if you watch Bandersnatch, that's the building I'm in. Ah, okay. Has, have you had any peculiar things happen since that was recorded? No, no. But we did, <laughs> we did, we did see camera crew for for two weeks for whatever whatever reason. A lot of camera crews, a lot of lifts out of action, and all that sort of all the usual stuff where uh, they get priority. But uh, so, Ian, tell me more about what it is that you do. I know that you're you've got a company called Natterbox and you're a sales leader and so on. But tell tell the listeners more about what it is that you do. Yeah, fund, fundamentally, I'm known for two things. One is I've worked in the cloud industry, the tech sector, uh, all those wondrous things you hear about cloud and all the different pieces for about the last 13 years. Um, and I've been a sales leader for over 25 years. So I, I, I see myself as a couple of things, I, and I help and speak and podcast and blog on different things, either customer experience and sales and that that whole piece of interacting with people that in, is important in business or cloud technology. That, that's the two uh, camps that I put my feet in. How did you, how was it that you got first got into that? What was it that led you into that? Um, well, cloud was by accident. I've been in technology uh, for a long, long, long time because uh, – Long story short, when I was 14, a neighbor moved in um, with a ZX81, if anyone remembers that, and I was hooked. So I got into computing, was a programmer initially, um, which gave me some thoughts about how I developed in sales, which we might talk about. Um, that's how I got into technology and cloud was by accident a number of years ago. Something came up, there was an opportunity in a company, it just seemed interesting. And then as soon as I got involved with cloud, I realized this is incredibly interesting and changing the world we live in. We all, we all, it affects all of us with mobile, with Internet of Things, with all, all the wondrous new technology we're seeing now, big data, all the things we hear about. Cloud underpins most of the capabilities in AI, etc. And sales um, was I was a, as I mentioned I was a pro, started as a programmer in tech, and I just saw it was luck, luck if you like it, or an opportunity. I saw a local company was looking for an inside salesperson, and mm. uh, at that in those days 
you it was the salesperson got the car got the mobile phone which was the size of a, a suitcase but it was mm-hmm. the toys it was hang, hang on a minute i can work as a program and keep doing this for the next 20 years or i can jump the gun and get a company car and and all those sh- so i was attracted by the shiny things i, I guess <laughs> and then i found out it's not always that easy and the, all, all the different things about it but mm. um, that's what instigated me to get into sales and technology i guess and so you, the company you have now, how did that come about to actually start forming that? Yeah, I, I worked for Netherbox. In fact, I came back to work for Netherbox two years ago, but I was there at the instigation. So I worked for the CEO in a previous company and we did uh, other cloud technologies, email and spam filtering. And through my joining, we grew that company. We opened a separate office in the UK. And because of that, we needed a phone system across both offices and wanted to do certain things. That's when we discovered how hard telephony and phone systems can be, even for the fundamentals of having multiple offices. And if someone goes from one office to the next, actually, well, whose extension are you on that day? And all this, all the fundamentals. So this was going back a good 10, 10 or more years but I always remember the founder in the pain we went through saying, if we ever do anything else, we can make a much better job of this. And that's where we are today. We don't just make it easier to have a phone system and multiple offices and users moving around the world we're in, but we change customer experience. And we may link into that. I'm not going to make this a pitch, but we hmm. engage customers. When you use the phone, we can do things that really transform the customer's experience and also your salesperson, technical person, agent's experience in dealing with them. So both ends, the technology we enable them to use makes the two humans coming together much more effective and gives better results. So typically when a customer is coming to you, what is it that they're looking for? Well, you know, yeah, good question. We, we focus on customers who care about the customer experience and improving. If it's just that you want a phone system where you can pick up the phone, make a call, transfer a call, the basics, we, absolutely we can do that, but so can everyone. Where mm. our differential comes is making it personal. So in simple terms, mm. we are embedded within the Salesforce ecosystem and, and platform. So if you have Salesforce as a CRM, we can utilize the valuable data you're getting in there and give you more data around phone calls. Simple example to to give this context, when a customer phones in, instead of treating them generically, if I phoned yesterday and had a complaint to someone and I phone again today because you didn't call me back, usually what you'll find in virtually all companies is you go through the same IVR, the press one, four, press two, four, press three, four. You're getting frustrated, you get put through to someone, you tell them the story again, they go, it's a different department, they try and get you through them. We can, in that instance, for example, detect, hey, you logged a complaint yesterday. That case is already open. We didn't call you back yesterday. That's all in the system. So when you mm. call, we detect your number and go, hey, this is Ian again. Mm-hmm. The system detects, this is the scenario right now. How about if it presented me with Ian? We saw we let you down yesterday. We didn't call back. If that's what you're calling about, press one, and we'll prioritize you right now for that instance. If it's anything else, press two. If it's two, you get the usual process. But if I press one, it detects who the best agent is, maybe a manager based on the problem. I get through instantly. It treats me differently for the situation right now and personalizes it. Perhaps you can even use my name if you wish. Hi, Ian. Sorry we didn't call you back yesterday. Press one and we will get you through to right agent. Press one. It says, right, we're putting you through to John. He's available right now. He's a senior manager. All the system detects all this. What a different experience. What a different experience for the agent who picks up the phone when it pops the details, whispers in their ear automatically, electronically. This is Ian. We didn't call him back yesterday. He's called back in. 
everyone's more informed. It diffuses the situation. My customer experience goes from a negative into a big positive very quickly. Wow. I can just imagine hundreds of people listening to this as you describe that thinking, why can't my experience be like that exactly. when I call my insurance yeah, we all, company we all or whoever When I, when I do be. events, I ask for hands. How many of you had this happen? Is it just me this happens to? How many have had this? And you get put, and when they, you call the wrong queue, right? You push the wrong number and you end up in a different queue. Hmm. And you finally get through and they go, oh no, you should have pressed three, not four. Okay, oh, brilliant. Could you transfer me? Yes. Where are you transferring me though? To, the, to their queue. So I've just gone mm. to the front of a queue mm. because I chose the wrong er- – through my error or misunderstanding, I'm now going to the back of another queue. How does that work? Mm. Mm. But we all live it. Yeah. So when people um, – well, when you explain this to people, are they amazed that this is possible? Did, are many people aware of this? No, people aren't. And, and interestingly, I attended um, a customer experience awards event. We, we, we won a lot of awards, but we, we went to one last year. Customer experience, it was a different one for us because normally we're in telephony and technology, etc. And mm. so there was a lot of customer experience experts, people responsible for net promoter school, this stuff there. And I would, mm. you chit-chat, right? Well, what are you doing? This sort of thing. And I always give those quick scenarios where and customer experience experts were responding with exactly what you just said. Well, I didn't know that you could do that. How, mm. how do you do that? And that's typically what we find. There's a lot of um, what people are aware of. You can do telephony in the cloud now. So, yes, you can mm. do some stuff where you can do it from your mobile phone. Some of the clever stuff, great. But there's a step beyond that, which is using – it's not even AI, but it's using the intelligence of data you know about customers – to better mm. serve the customer. And, and typically, it's been the other way around. We, and, and with GDPR, sorry to get that into the, here, but here's a positive mm. spin of GDPR. With GDPR, people can not give you their data. You have to get all the permission. Why am mm. I going to let you store my mobile number? Here's an easy one. Ian, um, we don't have your mobile number you've just called in from in our system. If mm. you allow me to store that, uh, next time you call in, our system can detect it's you and shorten the phone journey for you. And if you have any tickets open or anything, autom- we can get you through to the right department quickly and present you with different options to help you. Mm. Is that okay if I put your number in? Now, mm. straight away, you're giving me a value for you collecting my data. Typically, what it's always been historically is we want your data, but you haven't mm. given anything back. You've not given me a reason as the customer or a value for you taking it well, it's really easy to do that and in that instance i'd probably say put my number in fantastic because mm. you're helping Absolutely. me not having to go through such a long queue next time what if i'm a vip customer do you want your vip customer going into a call queue or do you want to put them into a different mm. call queue with different slas and different priorities or do you treat everyone the same if someone spends a million pound with you and someone spends 5k mm. with you a year which customer do you want at the back of a call queue at your busy period Reality is, and I always mm. say to people, this is this is a an opinion piece. So, mm-hmm. but we give you the capability to make that decision. Of really easily, you could say the million pound customer always jumps to the top of the queue, and their view mm. is stay with these guys. You never mm. want to lose a customer, but if you are going to lose one, or you are going to not, you know, and that's the reality of the world. Unfortunately, mm. you can't treat everyone equally. Um, but do you have that capability today to even discern that? Can you tell how many customers of high value to you were on queued for more than 10 minutes last month? Usually what you can tell is a batch of numbers. We had mm. how many calls? We had 38 calls yesterday who queued more, for more than eight minutes. Okay, mm. but who were they? That's the hard part in most businesses because you don't correlate the telephony data with the customer data. We do. We bring the two together and say, 
all your reports, everything you can see on your wallboard. You can see who it actually is. That's, that's amazing. I, I can't, I would imagine that when most companies find out that the possibilities of you know, some of the things you just described, they can't wait to sign up. Well, it changes. I'd love everyone just to sign out the door, right? But, but there's steps to go through. But the key here is if you care about customer experience, if you care about KPIs and net promoter score, there is now technology that can give you that edge. And, and as we move towards the, all, those, all the reports I see and some nice stats and quotes talk around 2020 is the tipping point where customer experience is a more important mm. deciding factor than price and feature. Now, that doesn't mm. mean price isn't important, obviously. Yeah. But when I talk to audiences, I often say, you know, how many of you don't have any competitors? How many of you don't have competitors who you could argue are offer some similarity? So you could say the customer has a choice of here's two or three who are comparable on function and price. Yes, there's differences. What is the big differential that tips over the edge? And often it's like a horse race. You don't win by three miles. You win by a photo finish. Hmm. Customer experience can be that. If during the engagement period of, of engaging with you in the process or what they hear from other customers is these guys, because that's what you want, right? You want if something goes wrong, I want to know I've got someone who responds quickly, deals with the problem. Not, this all looks great, but their reputation, I'm worried about if I ever have to call them, am I going to have to call for, and there's certain, I won't mention companies, but there's certain companies I know right now I'm putting off calling, but I need to deal with because I need to upgrade or do something. And I've been putting it off for weeks because I know I'm going to probably queue for 45 minutes to an hour because that's their reputation. I'm probably going to mm. need two to three hours on the phone to deal with what I need to deal with. Mm. So yeah. you put it off. That's not good, is it? No, it's quite ironic, actually, <laughs> the situation that you just described. Yeah, and, and I want to give them more business. They're actually probably the double yeah. I spend with them monthly when I go through that. But mm. I'm deferring doing it, not because of any monetary reason, just because of the pain of the call. Mm -hmm. And so how many other of their customers and, and suppliers are similar? Yeah, are putting off exactly. Calls and, and there's reports come out in, in the press often with, here's the worst ones to call, and here's the worst calls, contact centers and call centers, etc. cetera. Um, mm. And, and we take, we accept, the problem is too many people accept it. And sometimes you don't have much choice. That, that's part of the problem. Mm. Sometimes there's limited in the market or that, that's the only provider you can get where you live if it's an internet um, or cable provider type thing. If you haven't got, and that's why monopolies are protected against, right? Because then you, it's, well, there's no, it's competition that drives this, this edge that people want to do something differently because we have to, to earn the customers right and retain them. Mm -hmm. so this system that you're that you've been talking about is that available for companies only of a certain size or to, no, to any, any size but the one gate we do have is we decided because of the depth of what we've done we've done it with salesforce because that's the biggest on the planet out there and we often get asked well why don't you do it with all the other products technically we mm -hmm. could but it's the manpower to develop what we've done We've gone very, very deep. We decided to be the specialist, the best on the planet with one system rather mm. than do a little bit, but with lots. Mm. Um, so for customers on Salesforce, we excel. We can do the best. They, we can really extend the value of what they've got. And if you've got a CRM, in this instance, Salesforce, you've got it typically because you want to – it's about data. It's not about the, the, the tick box of we've got a CRM. Look, look, aren't we great? It's the value of the data – and the capability to manage and utilize that data to business advantage is the reason you invested in it. We mm. extend that investment by giving you extra data automatically. Who called? How long? 
tons and tons of data about the call without the user having to do anything. We detect all that as a telco and put all of that into your system alongside the customer data. So, for example, is it interesting if you're about to visit a customer or have a call to know that customer spent three hours on the phone with finance two days ago? I better speak to finance mm. and know why first. Because what I don't want to do is pick up the phone and walk into something where they go, why are you doing this? I, until that finance issue is sorted, don't, don't talk to me about this. You've just antagonized mm. the problem purely because you didn't mm. know. But if you knew that, you at least have the opportunity to have more richness. You know, the, it's, it's this 360 of knowing the customer. Everything they touch you, you want to know mm. about it so that every interaction you have is a, is a more powerful, engaging one with that client. We give you that extra missing piece of de- detail. Most telef- customers with telephony and anyone listening will find, do you have telephony data? Yeah, tons of it. Do you use it in this way? Probably not because it's in a separate system. And to embed and, and to merge the two data sets is hard and it's painful mm. and it's tactical. And as soon as you've done it, it's out of date. So a week later, you don't do it. So even if you've done it periodically, at the point you need it, do you know that an hour ago, someone called finance, before you call them, hang on a minute, I better check what that was about. Mm. It's no good knowing data from a week ago and merging it two days time. It's too late. It needs Mm. to be real time in your face data. That's when it becomes Mm. useful. And that's what we do. So, I mean, I know that you talk on sort of customer experience mm. at events and uh, Natterbox work in the technology sector, sure. contributing you know, to customers' ability to improve and so on. What are your thoughts around exceeding expectations on that? Um, yeah, so one, one of the things about problems with technology, and I, I talk the other way. So technology is that I think there's too much over-reliance, two things, too much over-reliance on technology. Mm-hmm. Okay, so technology is fine and used in the right place, but too often we and I pick salespeople up on this. We re- resort by default to things like email. Mm-hmm. Here's the example: customer emails you. What is your default response? And I guarantee it's email, mm-hmm. right? Because it's either that's the, the that's the medium they chose. If you direct message someone on Twitter, that's where the results coming back. Now mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a by definition at fault but what i challenge people to question is is it the best medium if someone's complaining on email might you pick up the phone or might you message them saying actually i respect what you're saying um what i'd like to do is have a conversation with you about this as a senior manager and pick up the phone Mm. and talk to them because with email you don't get tonality are they really angry they sound angry in email when you speak to someone often it's actually into your face they're not going to be angry like the restaurant is, is your food okay mm. yeah 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 as soon as they walk away from the table oh my god this is awful why don't you tell them because mm. people avoid that human confidence but email is faceless so you can confront you can be angry when actually are they going to shout at you over the phone are you going to have a more mm. meaningful conversation or are you going to have 20 emails which one phone call would solve because you've misunderstood what they're doing you've gone off down a path you've gone back they've got more angry because you've misunderstood on the phone you can ask the questions of my understanding is this from what you've said and no 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 that's not what i meant okay please do help me understand but you can also soften it you can get them to understand you're a human being and boy you're trying to help you can't get that across an email so it's electronic has that danger of by default, people tend to respond on the same channel and the, and the conversation stays there. And I challenge people, change the medium, not by, not mm. for the sake of it, but think mm. about, is this the right way to deal with this problem? That's number one. The second one is I see too many businesses going wide 
with their uh, interaction medium. And what I mean by that is omnichannel is used commonly now, and that means you allow a customer to interact with your multiple channels. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that again, but think about how you're doing it. Because the, what I see too often is, um, great, so what's out there? Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Instagram, Snapchat, WeChat. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, and we keep going. I'm, miss, I'm, I'm missing one of the ones out there. We'll come to them in a second. What's that? There we go. Mm. Um, and then you've got live chat. You've got your web form. You've got email. And you've got the phone. Mm-hmm. And I see businesses go, look, we're on all of them. Isn't it great? Mm. My answer is it's great if your quality level on all of them is consistently high. Mm. If it's not, and let's say you've got a great net promoter score today and you only allow phone and email or phone and a web ticket, mm-hmm. you now go and open yourself up to six more channels. Have you just killed your net promoter score? Because what's happened is you, like, like I described us, we're, the, we're, we're good at one. We didn't want to be average at 10, right, mm. by doing lots of CRM integrations. And you, you, right, don't be average across all platforms. I have, and many of the people listening to this may have done the same. I have before tweeted and tweeted a DM or a tweet to a company complaining because you can't find a phone mm. number on their website. It's typically the piece, and, but it's a Twitter account. And then the question in my mind is, am I going to get a response and how quick? And sometimes I've never heard back from them. So then you Mm. go back to the website and look for a phone number, which you can't find. Because, look, I've interacted with you with the way you presented to me, Mm -hmm. and you've ignored it. So now I'm looking for – and I'm angrier, and I want it more solved quicker. I've lost two days now. Boom. Others, I've – and a good example is Zog's, the kids' swimming goggles thing, where I contacted the kids' goggles. My daughter's goggles had failed, and I sent them a tweet. And my immediate thought is, I don't, which way is this going to go? They were quick. Mm. They responded. They jumped on it. They took it to a, can we take it to a direct message? Certainly. What, what goggles? Which one? Is it this one? Here's a link. Can you check it's the right one? Do you want the same again? Boom. What's your address? They're on the way to you. Please chuck the other ones. We really apologize. If you have any problems with these, come back directly to here and we'll deal with it directly. Wow. So it's yeah. fine being on those channels if you can do that and live up to the expectation. If not, don't be there. Because the fact you've opened the channel, the customer expectation, on, particularly on social and WhatsApp and these mediums, is people. I think people tend to think because it's those, it's like email, it's transient. I can take a response or a ticket like a web form and I can say I'll get back to you in eight hours. The default experience and expectation of social users is not eight hours. It is virtually instantaneous. That's the world mm-hmm. we live in. I've done it from a mobile phone in a taxi because we can do this anywhere 24-7. It's the same as a phone call. If I phone, um, I expect to speak to someone and it gets dealt with. That's why people default to phone often with problems because the other channels have failed. So what I always say to people, the example I give is the Amazon syndrome. Mm -hmm. Amazon don't need you to speak to them because they do live chat and I've used it. And fortunately, unfortunately, I buy a lot from Amazon, but I've used it a lot Mm -hmm. where products haven't been delivered or, or they've been damaged or it's the wrong product. It happens. Hmm. But they deal with it incredibly quickly. You go on live chat, you get an operator 24-7. You know, if you if you can't sleep or you're working late or you've got in late, I'll oh, deal with it now while it's quiet. You get them hmm. 24-7. They deal with the problem and they solve it. They check back with you. Are you happy? If you're not, boom. They, their whole customer experience piece is incredibly good. I don't need to phone them. I've never hmm. needed to escalate because I couldn't get a response because I'm not getting a, an outcome from what I need to do right now. I want, as a customer, whether I'm buying a new product, a problem, um, an inquiry, all I want is to get to the end, solve my need 
as quickly and as effectively as you can. If it's via self-serve, that's fine. But if you, mm. but if self-serve or chat or whatever medium you've opened to me doesn't work, two things happen. I either go somewhere else if I have the option or I go to a different channel and I get more angry and I get more demanding and I want a phone call. Mm. How many of you solve well, that? So look at what you do as a business. Are you opening yourself up to not exceed, not even meeting customer expectation, let alone exceeding it because of you've been swayed by technology? What would you advise companies? What what would be the sort of maximum number of channels that most companies could handle? Well, I I I, I don't think there's a number because I think it just, just depends on your resource, right? Now, if you look at Amazon, mm. Amazon doesn't interact and, and handle this with 20 channels, but they mm. could. Look at the size of them. Look at the money mm. they've got, but they don't. Think about it. Why They have decided it is – there's an email option. If you go on their options – but the one they try and direct you to is live is self-serve on the website, take you through mm-hmm. menus. Oh, can, does this help? If not, it's live chat. Mm-hmm. So they've decided we can do this well, um, and that's what we're doing. But it works. You know, mm. if you're a business where – and it depends what industry you're in, what you're selling. So if you're in a business where in, your products are very visual – Designer furniture came to my head for some reason then. Perhaps Instagram fits because it, it's got that. But you need then to understand either close off the messaging option or people may come to you there because that's where they see you and look at graphics and images. Um, mm. You know, If you're in something where it's a, bi- a type of business where your customer deals on the phone, and we have many customers who, the nature of our business, but the industry they're in, still likes to deal on the phone because of where those people are and what they're dealing with and, and the problems they're dealing with, they're very different. That You can't sell. So they're so di- unique each time. A phone mm. call makes sense. Then make sure you can get people through on the phone and, and whatever. Otherwise, so you need to look at, look. I'd, I'd say look outside in. You're the customer. Mm. Put yourself in your customer's shoes. This isn't rocket science and think, right, okay. Or ask your customer. It's not difficult. How would you prefer to deal with us? Too many times mm. I see people assuming, oh, we've done all these channels. Why? Were your customers saying you must be on Twitter? Were you getting lots of complaints? No. So why have you done it? Mm. You know, do it for the right reason and then do it well. Yeah, because it makes total sense. Now, now you've said that. But I mean, if someone doesn't really use Twitter, but they offer that that channel, the Twitter channel, as a customer service experience, but they don't use Twitter, it's going to end up being a nightmare. Yeah, for the customer. you don't get a response. They never spot yeah. your response. I've, people never responded, and I've gone off to another channel because I was already having a problem with, so I couldn't go to someone else. I immediately mm. start going, well, how else do I get to speak to you? Phone call, whatever. That's when you drive customers to becoming more irate. And, and if it's a social customer, two things. If it's a social adept customer, they expect social type interaction and response. And if you don't, mm. remember you've got a social customer. Guess where they're going to complain? Mm. They're going to put it on social. Exactly. The other people are going to hear about it. Mm. The, um, before you were just talking about you know using the phone more. Did, it seems to me people are more reluctant to use phones these days. Yeah, we we we, we hear constantly. We're in the phone business, right? And we hear all these stats and reports. The phone's dead and whatever. Really, um, it depends on on nature of your business and your and your. You know, we are t- the the Z generation and the millennials. They prefer Snapchat, etc. Why are studies and everything isolating them that they don't use the phone? They, yeah, mm. absolutely. They chat to each other on these platforms, probably because it's more convenient, um, it's more personal, private, etc. But 
what when they book a holiday they never yeah you'll look online and search but if you, you if you're not sure need oh this hasn't worked quite right how many times have we phoned an airline you know if you think about when when you get the delays at the airport check online but often it's how many times have you picked up the phone and gone can i i just want to check some details because they're specific the generic stuff Mm. says this but i want to ask a specific question about my details and my interaction with you or we've done this when we you know electronically booked a car parking at the airport but then we couldn't quite figure well where do we pick it up it it, it, is that are we sure it's that and we phone because we're not sure because we want to speak to a human and ask a question that is very specific to a very specific and we want to hear a specific answer Mm. We've got lots of customers who, and we've just had one come in in a bid situation where they've said about a third of their interactions are phone, about a third are chat, and about a third are email. Okay, mm. so 30% importance is your phone interaction. And we don't know yet, but I, I've suggested let's talk to them be- and, and ask a question because my guess and assumption might be wrong is the phone interaction might be where the chat and the email hasn't fulfilled the customer. They haven't been out of self-serve because it's more complex or something specific it's falling through mm. the cracks. Therefore, you need the phone conversation, in mm. which case you better be good at that point because often the phone conversation comes when there's a problem because mm. it's escalated. And that's when you need to be even better because you've got a customer at that point who isn't happy, which, in my opinion, that unhappy customer can turn into your biggest advocate, mm, depending absolutely. what you now do. Do you respond quickly, mm. fix it, in the, and surprise them and delight them that, wow, Something fell through the cracks, but when it did, when it was the worst situation, they stepped up more than they needed to and fix, fix, fix. Or, you know, I've just told you the Zog scenario because they fixed it really well. Mm. Or did they let me down? Even I'm, I'm, I'm bad off. I'm unhappy. I'm, wor- you know, I'm in a bad place. And now, you know, so I started in a bad place and now I've got a queue for an hour and now I've got through and it's the wrong person. And now they're putting barriers in. The- All I want is a solution. Now this is turned into three days effort. What am I going to remember now? I was bad in the first place. They didn't recover it and turn me around into the other way, being an advocate, you know, net mm. promoter school, where do I sit? I'm now going to be a detractor. Mm. Well, in, in, in your um, opinion, what is doing enough? You know, people talk about going the extra mile over delivering. What, what are your thoughts? So, yeah, so I, because I came, so simple terms, because I came from a programming background and there you put more effort in. You, so if, if can you deliver this code in two weeks? Just by putting more effort in, you can do it in one week. It's pretty linear. Um, so I, I always had this thing of, I don't know why I called it going the extra five miles. Because everyone talks mm-hmm. about going the extra one mile. Okay, well, I want to be better than that. So it's, mm-hmm. and going the extra five miles isn't five times the effort. So let me give you mm-hmm. an example. When someone says, well, could you get this to me? Um, okay, well, yeah, I can't do it right now because I need to, actually I need to go and work this out and do this and do this is it okay if I get it to you by tomorrow morning? Absolutely. Mm. I'm not getting it to you by tomorrow morning. I'm getting it to you this evening. But what I'm going to do is send it to you this evening, um, not just give you the basics of, yes, we can do it. Yes, I'm going to give you, yes, we can do it. Here's how we do it. Here's a customer reference. Um, here's a link to where you can see a video on this. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to make it shine. I could just say, yes, we can. What you ask is, can you do this? Yes. Mm. Now, nah, I'm going to give you the yes. I'm going to give you supporting material, a link, everything. And I'm going to call you in the morning and check. Do you, if you want me to talk you through this, nope, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Great. Wanted to make sure you got the email. Yep. Later that day, I might contact them again. It's all small nuggets. Doesn't take a lot, but boy, do they mm. remember it. Wow. And this wasn't mm. a problem situation. Look at how these guys deal with us. But it's not mm. five times the effort. It's lots of little things that make them feel, do you know what? I can trust and respect you. 
Mm. That's a big part of it. And when do you think it's most important and or and effective to to exceed expectations? I, I think going back to where we accidentally went a second ago is when you know every business will fail a customer at some point, not by intention. Mm. Something goes wrong out of your control, or um, the customer perceives you're in the wrong, but it might not be a problem that you caused. But whatever it is, you everyone will have. There's no perfect company, a customer at some point who needs something sorting that is a problem and their perception Mm. is uh, something's gone wrong. Mm. That's when, and I've asked people and I, you know, the the people I've asked, uh, and my opinion is that's when you usually think, I wonder where this is going to go. How hard is this going to be to fix? So you already, you tend to go into the negative because we've all had those bad experiences when, when something's fallen through the cracks Where's the process to fix it? How easy does this provider that I'm going to contact, whether it be for a product or service, how good are they at fixing this one? Is this the first time they've seen this? And if in case it is, how are they going to deal with me? And what I want is they may not be able to fix It isn't always that you can fix it on the phone, mm. but it's how you deal with it. What's the process? Do you keep them informed? Do you leave them quiet for two days? They call back. You say, oh, no, we're still working on it. But they feel bad. Because no one's told them that. How do they know? Or have you kept them informed? Have you gone back to them and said, um, we said we'd be back to you by the end of the day. We don't have a resolution yet, um, but this is where we've got to. And I'm going to call you again in the morning. Is that okay? Is that convenient? No. When is convenient? Boom. Okay. But we'll keep you posted. You know, so they're trusting. Mm-hmm. So you've turned a, neg- what could, a negative. It, it's not a positive till it's fixed, but at least the way you've dealt with it doesn't exasperate the negative if they if they're going to give you five out of ten right now they're staying at a five you're not dragging them down to a four or three and their opinion of you is going down because of the process Mm. what you really want to do is bring them out at the end going guys you're an eight or nine i had a Mm. problem you were a five but the way you just dealt with this wow Mm. and i've had many happen that with not because i did anything by rocket science or magical just by doing lots of small things and thinking how do i want to be treated in this situation and going that mm. five miles extra, and at the end of it, I had a customer actually say, fantastic, and write a reference for us. And I've had mm. this across multiple companies. It's not the company. It's not the product. It's how the, it, you, you, the culture you embed in your people, and particularly managers, to take ownership. So I will always, as a sales leader, take ownership. If I hear there's a problem, get on get on talk to the customers a more senior person how how does the customer feel purely the fact that it's been escalated without them demanding it and they've had someone with a more senior title say we're aware of this we're treating it with importance but mm. give them comfort that actually this will get resolved and it's important to us and we are listening and we're dealing with it and keep them informed again nothing is none of this is rocket science but how many companies mm. don't do this and we all experience it we had um had a guest on the on the show of, of probably about i don't know episode 15 or something called jay bear who wrote a book called hug your haters and he talks exactly <laughs> exactly exactly what you just yep. yeah and he he gives some great examples of how you can completely turn someone around from hating you to absolutely loving you yeah, yeah. what was um you, you mentioned about the the company you're working with natterbox mm. how many what countries are they in? We're global. We, we operate um, office-wise, we're in three countries, but we have customers on a global basis um, and we provide customers globally. So a lot of our customers have offices in multiple countries. So one recently that's come on board is 14 countries, one phone system, 
And then you add extra complexity for and benefit for customers because if a customer calls in, you know, what they wanted to do was provide service within the service cloud environment of Salesforce. So it wasn't sales, it was support tickets, something's gone wrong or help. If they call in out of hours, they still want help, right? So they mm. wanted to do follow the sun. Well, if you do follow mm. the sun and you're transferring that customer calls, the, let's pick the UK number, but it's for them, there's a problem hit them and a piece of their equipment and it's 11 o'clock at night. It's a problem for them then. They don't want mm. to have to wait till nine o'clock. So they might call. What happens with the call? So what we've got there in that instance is we've enabled them to automatically detect which regions online, which agents with the right skills for the, you know, we can detect who the customer is by the number and say, actually, this customer has got these products this, or this product line. Um, so we need someone with those skills because they're calling the support line. They're not going to call a support line for a product they don't have. Who's available mm. with those skills right now? And let's route it to that team. Let's inform the customer automatically on the line so we put them through. We're, our UK office is shut right now, but don't worry. We're putting you through to experts in the Australian office who will be able to help you. They'll be informed when you get through with your details. Um, please hold for five seconds or whatever you want to do. And the Australian office can get this is a UK call coming through, whispered to them in the phone. It can pop on the screen all the available cases of the customer or the or products they've got. So you're taking both ends and empowering both ends to have a more effective call rather than you get on the call, customers, oh, I've got Australia, what's going on here? Um, mm. Have I got the same com right company? And then the agent's going, well, who are you? And look it up and you have five minutes of uncomfortable, which you can handle electronically today and put both of them in a better position to deal with each other. Hmm. That's, so that, that's an example. So yeah, we operate globally um, and increasingly we're seeing more complex customers. We're seeing a lot of customers in the US coming on board since we opened the US office. Um, yeah, and we're quite proud of that fact because that's where the complexity comes. Dealing with customers in one local region of the UK is easy. Dealing on a global basis, mm. we've, got to, mm. we've got to eat our own dog food, right? We've got to be able to get good support because people will have issues with, with in their region or, or they don't understand how to do something in our system. So nothing's gone mm. wrong but they're trying to do something and to them it's important to do it now and they mm. want help now. You can't decide mm. what the customer problem is, when the customer problem is going to occur or how important it feels to the customer. might not be a big mm. problem, but it might feel really important to them. might be a two-minute fix that you do or two-minute you point them to a page where you have to give them one answer. But to them, if it's stopping them do something, it could be the most important thing on their agenda today. Mm. Yeah. Ian, if people want to find out more about you, where, where would they go to? Sure. Thank you for that opportunity. So e easy two places, ianmoist.co.uk and ianmoist.cloud. And both, they will take you to both of my main social accounts where you can follow and I share the content. Um, and I don't pitch lots of stuff, and, but you'll get content and shares from other people that I spot good content around customer experience and all this sort of stuff. Okay. And we'll have both of those links in the show notes. And you also mentioned when we were talking before, you've got a, a quotation you quite like. So one, one that struck me, but based on what we spoke about um, is behind all smart devices and other technology is the need to get closer to the customer. And that's from Mark mm. Benioff, who's the co-founder of Salesforce. And it's such a simple one that I see too mm. many people making the mistake of today is mm. we want all this wondrous technology, AI, et cetera. Oh, wow. Look what it can do. But how are you going to use it? Too often, what's happening is the outcome it's giving is you've actually put barriers between you and the customer. You've put chat on your website. Mm. That's great. But if no one's there to serve it, 
and you haven't got a, an, an alternative method, what happens when the customer comes on and decides I want to try and interact with you? The technology has just made you look worse. So technology mm. does not improve customer experience out of the box by default. It does not fix problems you may have. It can be an enabler, but it has to be embodied. The age old, age old, age old thing of technology, people, and process. Mm. All three go together. It's no good having technology if the people aren't there to serve what it does for them. It's no good having mm. AI if it's not been taught what to do, and it now gives customers wrong answers. Or, oh, sorry, I don't know that. Let me put put you through to someone who isn't there right now. So technology mm. is an enabler, but appreciate it's how you utilize it, where you utilize it, that makes it an enabler, not just tick, I bought some technology, therefore. Mm. Yeah, that makes total sense. Well, Ian, it's been fantastic, the, the pearls of wisdom you've delivered on this episode. So thank you very much for your time. And um, yeah, I look forward to meeting you at some Great. point. Tony, really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Episode 34, I speak with Scott Stanfield, who is a, a former chef and is now a general manager and a teacher of the, the people who work for him. He optimises restaurants and goes, uh, does things quite differently to, to how many restaurants work. He has a, he talks about hiring, training and sustaining to so greatly raise the leadership lead of the whole management team, boosting the numbers and expanding the collective emotional intelligence. or on any other podcast platform and hope you have a fantastic week.